Okay, fine. So Amar Ula, we're on the bottom of 71. So for a carbon ashem, a carbon ashem is brought, an ashem vada, I should say. An ashem vada is brought for certain types of, of averis, right? So an ashem vada, which means a type of carbon that one would bring. So up until now, we've been talking about chatas carbon, right? Chatas carbon means when you did something that if you had done it intentionally, you'd be kares, right? To be cut off. And then you did it unintentionally, you're going to bring a carbon chatas. But when it comes to... There are certain kabbalas that the punishment is going to be an asham vadai, right? Asham vadai means when you know for sure that you did this avera, then you have to bring this carbon called an asham. Now, which one is that? So that is, let's see, the three that Rashi explains are asham mi'ilois, asham gzeilois, asham shibcha harufa. So if you had a, if you know for sure that you were moyal in hektish, that you had taken something from hektish, something that was dedicated to to the base of Mikdash, and you took from it without realizing that, that you're not allowed to take from that thing or without realizing that it's hectish. When you figure out that you what you did, you have to bring a carbon ashram. In addition, if you denied about stealing someone else's object, then once you do chuva, you have to bring a carbon ashram. And then the third one is for, for having relations with a shifcha harufa. Shifcha harufa is a, a, um, a shifcha, is a shifcha kananis, so she's in a quasi state. She's not yet a um, a Jew, but she's no longer fully a non-Jew, and she's engaged to um, to someone. And if someone else has relations with her without realizing it, so then he's going to bring a carbon asham. Now, all these cases are when we say asham vaday, we mean when you know that you did the wrong thing. And now the question is, what carbon do you bring? You bring an asham vaday. Let's say there's a different type of asham that you could sometimes bring, which is called an asham tali. Asham tali means when you're not sure if you did something wrong or not. And it's the type of thing for which if you knew for sure you did the wrong thing, you would bring a carbon chatas, right? So unintentionally, you ate some meat. And now you're not sure if the meat that you ate was forbidden meat or it was permitted meat, right? For whatever reason, it's forbidden, you know, whether it's forbidden because it had um, forbidden fats in it or it's forbidden because it was really supposed to be for the base of mikdash. But you ate that meat and you're not sure what type of meat it was. So since you're not sure what type of meat it was, you can't bring a carbon chatas. You would only be able to bring a carbon chatas if you knew for sure you did an avera. You don't know for sure you did an avera. So instead, you bring something called an asham tali, which is a guilt offering, but it's a dependent guilt offering or a conditional guilt offering. So what does it mean? It means that because you're not sure if you did something wrong or not. So you have to bring a spe special type of guilt offering when you're not sure if you did something wrong or not. Then there's what we call an asham vada, is when you know for sure you did something wrong, but not same, not the types of Averis for which you would have to be a chathas, because that would be a carbon chathas, not carbon asham, asham vaday. Okay? So, according to the one who says that asham vaday loy ba according to the Manda Amar who says that if you have a asham vaday, right, you're going to bring it in asham vaday, you don't need to have known before you brought this asham vaday about the Avera that you did. In other words, let's say you brought an asham vaday because you thought you did something wrong, right? Asham vaday, let's say because you you did something wrong, you knew for sure you did something wrong, but you didn't know that you also did something else wrong for which it would have warranted bringing in an Ashram Vadai. You didn't know that though. But then you found that afterwards that, that you had done something else wrong. Then you know, that's okay. That's good enough. Whatever bringing that Ashram Vadai is going to cover it, right? So, so like this. So according to the one who says that that is enough and that will cover it, let's say someone sleeps five different times with a shifcha harufa, with this um, shifcha, this woman who is a shifcha knanis, she's a, you know, in this quasi-state, she's no longer fully non-Jewish, but she's no longer, she's not yet Jewish fully, but she's betrothed to someone else, right? She already did erisim to someone else. So you're going to have to bring an asham. Now, the halacha is, you only, you only are going to bring one 
Asham for all five times that you slept with this individual woman in, in different states of, of uncertainty, right? Of not real not uncertainty, but of not realizing that she's a woman who is really betrothed to someone else. Now, Basically, you're telling me, I think Murad actually asked this question last night. And basically, you know what a guy should do? He should go sleep with this woman, not, not on purpose, let's say, not the first time at least. He goes sleeps with this uh, this woman. And then he finds out, oh, you know what? She's actually Shepard Rufa. So he realizes he has to bring a carbon. He's like, you know what? In for a dollar, what has to go in for a dime, in for a dollar. He says, you know what? I mean, hold on that. Don't bring that carbon just yet, Cohen. Let me just go sleep with her one more time. Because anyways, I'll just bring a carbon and it will it'll affect atonement for me for both of these acts, right? So Rabbi Luna says, is it possible that that's going to actually affect atonement? You're asking me a question from a case where he did a, a, a second action after you already designated an animal. Once you designate the animal for the carbon, a secondary action that you under you undertook after you already designated the animal, that's not going to be it's not going to be covered under the first animal that you designated when you had not yet done this action. Yesterday's conversation between Rishlakush and Rebekhan was a conversation about where you did all the acts previous to designating the animal, you just weren't necessarily aware of all of the of all of the acts having taken place. Here, what we're talking about is you never did the act at all. You then designated an animal, and then you say, you know what? Before I bring that animal, let's let's uh, quickly we'll quickly shove it in. I'll do another act, and that other act will also be covered. And that that that, that can't work. So, so he says, I, I wasn't about my after half Russia. He also Dimi when Dimi came. According to the one who says that if it's an Asham Vadai, you need to have knowledge or else it's not going to be effectual, right? So in other words, if you did not know that you had done something wrong at the time that you brought the carbon, then after you brought the carbon, you found that you had done another thing for which you also needed to bring a carbon. It's not going to work if you didn't know about it. So, Scissor of Dimi said, So he says, according to that individual, right? Basically, there's a machlekes tanayim here. So the, we start off the Gemara with Ula saying, according to the one who says that you don't have to have knowledge. If you're bringing an Asham Vadai and you don't know if you did something or not, if you found that you did, then that will be covered by the one Asham Vadai that you brought. So that was the, according to one opinion, one Tana. So Ula, Damaira came along to explain that according to that Tana, if you slept with this Shukha Harufa in five separate occasions with one Shukha Harufa, one Asham is going to cover everything. So it comes along Rav Hamnuna, I'm sorry, Rav Dimi, and Rav Dimi says, no, according to the other Tana, the Tana who says that you do need to have knowledge that you certainly have violated a specific violation in which, for, for which to actually have that the carbon ashram that you bring is going to cover you, you actually have to know for sure that you did something wrong. So according to that, then according to that Tana, if you slept with this woman five separate occasions, you're going to have to bring one carbon for each occasion. Right. What what is what does he mean to say? He means to say that if you need to have a, a serious knowledge of what you've done to actually bring a carbon, right? So having slept with this woman on five separate occasions and not and realizing in between, right? It's a critical point here. You realized in between that you did something wrong, but then you forgot and did it again. Right. If you never realized at all and you just slept with this woman on five five separate five separate times, one after the other, then yeah, that, that's gonna be a carbon ashram according to everybody. Right. So so the Gemara is saying is now, according to the other Tana, who says that needing, you actually do need to have knowledge of the act that you've done for the carbon to actually affect the tone. 
So then if you slap the Zoom in five separate times, of course, you'd have to bring a carbon for each time. Right? So, that we were talking about yesterday, you need to have knowledge beforehand. The chattas is never going to affect the atonement unless you know that you've done something wrong. If you didn't know you did anything wrong, chattas will never affect the atonement. That everybody agrees to. The only machlekas is by ashram, perhaps by an ashram offering, a guilt offering, perhaps not even knowing that you did, you did it, it might still work. Says by a chattas that we know that you need to have knowledge, and that's if in a case where you did a chat, you did five different chatayas, right, and you now want to bring one carbon, so if that works or not. So how could you say that according to the Manda Amar who says that you need Yediya for the Asham to affect atonement, that you need Yediya in case you want the Asham to actually work, the carbon Asham to actually work for atonement, you actually have to be aware of what you've done wrong. Right. If that's true, according to him, then indeed you should need the chayv galas So Abayah says, chatayas, you need you need the idea for each. You need the idea for the chatas, the carbon chatas, to actually affect atonement. And still, it's machlekes rabbi Yechonan ben Lachish. Right. So Ravdimi was quiet. Amalei. So Abayah says to Ravdimi, Dilma ben Maisa de Lachar Fashik Amrit. Maybe what you're talking about is a case where the action was taking place after the carbon was already designated. So even Reish Lakish, who said, that you do need Yediya, and Reish Lakish still said that one carbon is going to suffice for five acts, for which you have to bring a carbon chatas. Maybe that's only true. That's only true if you had not yet designated an animal. But once you designated an animal, even Reish Lakish could agree that it's not, going to, it's not going to be enough to bring one carbon. Once you've designated the animal, if you did another action afterwards, or I'm sorry, if you had, an, if you had knowledge about doing another action afterwards, it's not going to be covered. So, maybe what you meant to say is, in a case of where it was an action that was taken after the animal had already been designated, and you're going like the opinion of Rev Hamnuna. As always, Rev Hamnuna's opinion, we just said a little bit earlier, that Rev Hamnuna's opinion was, Rev Hamnuna's opinion was, if you slept with her and then afterwards you came and slept with her again and the hifresh carbon and you designated a carbon and then afterwards you said, oh wait, I'm going to go do the action again. Then the Nuna says that's not enough. That's not going to work, right? So if you did an action after the animal is already designated, so that's where Vimi says you're going to need to bring one carbon for each action. Why? Because each time you designated an animal and then you did another action. So if you designate an animal and then afterwards do an action, of course, one carbon is not going to be sufficient for all these actions. In. So Dimi says, indeed, that is exactly what I meant to say. He also rubbed in Amar. Is this just a hypothetical? Like, you say, this guy slept with this woman once, then realized it was wrong, then forgot that it was wrong, and slept with her again. I mean, how is such a thing even possible? How could, how could he forget that? I mean, come on. I, he, he was, I, I don't, I don't like, know. Like I said, that's a it, it must be a hypothetical. Maybe it means I just don't see how this is such yeah. a thing to be possible. Yeah, you, you can call it a hypothetical. I don't know, you know, that crazy things have happened, right? Truth is stranger than fiction. But yeah, you're right, it is a hypothetical, right? Because because the Gemara is not necessarily trying to find specific examples that actually occurred, right? The Gemara is just trying to do thought experiments most of the time. Right. I mean it's basically trying to figure out which Corbin works and how it, how the whole process functions, basically. Yeah, and so if it makes it any easier for you, we can talk about a guy who happened to twice, you know, he only forgot once. But is there a time frame, Rabbi? In terms of forgetfulness? No, in terms of five, you know, how it, within a day, within a week, within a month, within a year. Well, it's, it's all just about uh, what, what is what is 
state of mind is, right? So if he, if he never if he never knew until after the fifth time, then he's just going to bring one carbon for all five times, right? So the question is like this. The question is over here where he did know at an earlier point in time, he designated a carbon, and then he forgot and did it again. Well, now what? So, okay, over there, over there, everybody would agree that you're going to have to bring another carbon. Okay, let's say you, you, you did this five times, and each time you forgot in between, but you didn't designate a carbon until after all five times had occurred. So then already we could start talking, right? Then already it might be enough to only designate one carbon. Okay. Um, one second. Okay. When Robin came, basically everybody agrees by one case of Shifcha and everybody agrees by another case of Shifcha And there's a third case of a Shifcha in which there is a Machlaikis at this view. Okay, what are, the, what are these cases talking about? Everybody agrees that by a shifcha charufa, then no matter how many times you slept with her, there's only going to be one carbon. Whose opinion is that? That is like the opinion of Ula. Because Ula, which you start up the day, said that if you, according to the one who says that in Asham Vadai, right, if you bring a carbon, which is an Asham Vadai, the type of carbon that is brought for something which you know you did something wrong. And there was something about which you did not know yet that you had done something wrong. And you brought that carbon for which you normally bring only when you know you know you did something wrong, that it will cover you also for that other case, right? So that's the case where everybody's going to agree. you're gonna to have to, one carbon's gonna do the trick. Um and everybody also agrees that there could be a case of a shifcha rufa, you're gonna to have to bring one carbon, you have to bring a carbon for each action that you did with her. Why? Like the opinion of Ravamluna. Right, that we said earlier that if you designated an animal already, then that's not going to cover you for any further action. What's the machlekes? What's the case of a dispute by a betrothed shivcha? So this is a when we say it's machlekes, it's according to the person who says that an asham vaday does need a yidiya. So that is already machlekes. So that's going to end up falling into machlekes. That they had earlier, right? So Rabbi Yechonon Shimon Ben Lakish, Shimon Karufa, Baliba Deman, the Chashiva Leyedia, the Isha Rabbi Yechonon, Dami Yedia, Schata, Schayel, the Chashivas, the Chashiva He, Kalakas, Afilu Chatas, the Halamachad, Achanami, Kalakas Bein the Halamachad, Bein the Shdelam. So Rabbi Yechonon Dami Yedia, the Chatas Avagad, the Chashiva, and the Kalakas. So basically, I guess. From yesterday, when the, there is a yidia, when there's a knowledge about something that you have to bring a carbon, chatas, right? Is that going to separate it? If there's a knowledge in between each action for which you're going to have to bring a carbon chatas, is that going to separate your actions that you have to bring a separate carbon chatas for each action? So Rabbi Echanan says, yes. Rish Lakish says, no. So even according to the one who says that Asham Vadai does need Yediyah in the beginning, that for an Asham Vadai to actually affect atonement, the Tana who says it does need Yediyah and needs to have a knowledge of any act that you've done for it to be able to affect atonement, so that's still going to fall into the category of Machlekes, Rabbi Echon, and Rish Lakish. The same way they argued about Bayachatas, the fact that Bayachatas Yediyah is significant, right? The knowledge about having done an act for which the, the, uh, the carbon that has to be brought is Chatas, right? Knowledge of that is going to be significant enough to separate between these two actions. And you're going to have to bring two separate carbonas, according to Rabbi Yechon, according to Shlakish, you won't have to. So that same Achleikas is going to fall out in the case of an Asham Badai. If you hold that Asham Badai also needs Yediyah for the carbon which you're bringing to actually affect atonement, then you're going to fall out on that same Achleikas scale where According to Rabbi Yechanan, 
once you need Yedia, then you're going to have to bring separate Karbanas, because that's what we're seeing over here. And according to Rish Lakish, even if you need Yedia, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily significant enough to require separate Karbanas. As we find by Achatas, that you do need a Yedia, you need to have knowledge of what you've done for it to affect atonement. And still Rish Lakish says it can affect atonement for more than one action at the same time. Itmar, it was stated, 72b. You had in mind on Shabbos to cut, to lift up literally, right? To lift up something that was already, that was already detached from the ground, right? So you're, you're going outside and you see what you think is a flower that's detached from the ground. Now, it happens to be right next to that flower that is detached from the ground, there's a flower that's still attached to the ground. Or you just thought the flower was detached from the ground, but it wasn't. It really is still attached. So you had a mind to pick up something that's already removed from the ground. So picking up something that's already removed from the ground on Shabbos, it might be a muktzah issue, but it's not going to be any sort of malacha deraisa. It's not going to be malacha on a Torah level. But what happened instead? You ended up cutting something that was actually attached to the ground. That's a real malacha deraisa of kaitzer, of cutting. Putter. So you're exempt from bringing a carbon. Lachlech esat talosh. You had in mind to cut something that was already removed. But you, but you ended up cutting something that was actually still attached. Rava Amar Pater. Rava says you are exempt from bringing a carbon. Abaya Machayim. Abaya says you're liable to bring a carbon. Why? What's the Machayikas? Rava Amar Pater. Rava says you're exempt because you do not have in mind to actually cut something that's forbidden on Shabbos. You, you had in mind to cut something that's not forbidden. You were cutting something that's already off the ground. Abaya Machayim. Abaya says you're liable to bring a carbon. Abaya gives an interesting answer. Abaya says no. You're liable. Why? Because you had intent to cut something. It's true it was cutting something that was already removed from the ground, so it wouldn't be malacha deraisa. But once you had intent to actually cut an item, and the action that you did is an action that's forbidden, that's already enough. So what's the machlekes over here? The machlekes over here is how far do we go with the concept called malachas machshavas, right? Malachas machshavas we've discussed in the past. It means that to be liable for doing something forbidden on Shabbos, you have to have in mind to do a significant action. So there's many different ways in which this question comes up. But the way in which it plays out right here is, in terms of, if you had in mind to do an, one action that was not forbidden on Shabbos, but you did a different action that is forbidden on Shabbos, so that's not going to be Malachas Mach Shabbos. Now, how, how specific does that have to get? So according to Rava, as long as you did not have in mind to cut something in a way that is forbidden on Shabbos, it's not Malachas Mach Shabbos, even if the action that you did is an action of real cutting on Shabbos. But according to Abaya, it's not so simple. According to Abaya, as long as you had in mind to do a cutting on Shabbos, even though it's not a cutting that's forbidden to be done on Shabbos, you had in mind to cut, and you did cut in a way that's forbidden on Shabbos, according to Abaya, end of the, di- end of the, end of the day, you did something that's forbidden to be done on Shabbos. And indeed, you would be liable. Rav says, how do I know this? Tanya. We learned in a brisa. There's a stringency by Shabbos from all other mitzvahs, and there's a stringency by other mitzvahs from Shabbos. What is this referring to? On Shabbos, if you do two actions in one period of forgetfulness, you're liable to bring one carbon for each of those actions. And this is not true by other mitzvahs, right? Other mitzvahs, if you, and we'll see the Gemara is going to get into exactly what this is referring to. And there's also stringency by other mitzvahs from Shabbos. And all other mitzvahs, if you do something without having in mind to do it, right? You do something unintentionally, uh, any other type of avera, you do it unintentionally, right? Without having in mind to do it, you're still going to be liable to bring a carbon. Whereas on Shabbos, there's no such thing as being unintentional without even intending to do the act. Right? So this is what we call, essentially, the, the category of misasi, right? 
So misasing is when you have no intent at all to do an action, right? So your intention was to lift up something that as far as you were concerned was detached from the ground already. And you detached something that was actually still attached to the ground. So you did not have any intent to do the action of detaching something from the ground, right? Or, you know, an easier case of misasic would probably be a case of um, where you're um, brushing by the, the light switch, right? I'm assuming that that's the right side. But brushing by a light switch and, and through brushing by it, actually causing the light to go on or off, right? So that's going to be misasic. You had no intention at all to do this action. And by Shabbos, we need this higher threshold of intent that we call malechus machshabes, the inot. Right, you need to have intentional actions, and you, you can't call this intentional action when you do not have intent to do this. But by other other types of forbidden actions, even if you do not have intent to do the specific thing, and you, maybe you weren't aware that this is forbidden, once you figured out what you did is wrong, you're still going to have to bring a carbon. Omar the Gemara continues to analyze this. There is a stringency by Shabbos from all other mitzvahs. When it comes to Malachas Shabbos, if you do two different actions in one period of forgetfulness, you're going to have to bring a carbon for each action that you did, which is not so by all other mitzvahs. What's the case? What are you talking about exactly? You did two different actions, you have to bring a carbon for each. What's the case? You did a katsira, you did an act of cutting. From the ground, and you also did an act of tachina, of, of uh, grinding the item that you cut from the ground. Is that to say that if you did this type of two separate actions that are forbidden to be done with all other mitzvahs in one state of forgetfulness, you don't have to bring a carbon chattis for both of them, right? That's not true. I'll give you an example. You eat chalev, right, which is forbidden, the forbidden fats. Then you also eat dam, also forbidden to be eaten, right? Over there, pacha. So basically, if we want to make these roughly equivalent cases, in both of these cases, you did two separate acts that are se completely separate acts, and they're both forbidden to be done, and you did both of them in a state of forgetfulness. So both when it comes to Shabbos, you did an act of cutting on Shabbos, an act of grinding on Shabbos. You didn't realize it was Shabbos, perhaps, right? Or perhaps you didn't realize that these actions are forbidden to be done on Shabbos, and you did both of these actions. You have to bring one carbon for each of those actions. Okay, great. But is that a stringency by Shabbos? That's true by everything. If you ate two different types of forbidden food in one state of forgetfulness, you also have to bring a separate carbon for each action. So how is Shabbos more stringent? So, what's the case that when, if you did the similar type of action by other types of mitzvahs, other types of uh, commandments, that you're only going to be obligated to bring one carbon? What's the case? You must be the case that you ate two different types of forbidden fats, right? Says, no, that's not going to work. Because if you're telling me you did the same exact action twice, well, you know what? The same way you only bring one carbon chatas for other types of actions, eating two forbidden fats by mistake, not by mistake, but you know, unaware that's forbidden fat. So to on Shabbos, if you did two separate acts of the same halacha, right, one after the other, in one helam achad, in one period of forgetfulness, indeed also you're only gonna bring one carbon. So once again, they're in the same exact category. Who told you that they're different? What the case by Shabbos is you did a ktsira, you did a cutting, and you did a tchina, you did a grinding. So what do we mean to say that this halacha is not true by other types of mitzvahs? By Abayi Zara, this halacha wouldn't be true. What does this mean? So the Torah tells us that there's 
The Torah itself tells us four primary ways of serving Abayi Zara. And on top of that is whatever is the individual way that this Abayi Zara, this idol is worshipped. The four primary ways are Zivech, to bring a carbon, Kiter is to bring um, incense, Nisech is to do libations, and um, and and the fourth way is to do a right? To bow down to that idol, right? So let's say you did three of these different types of Abayi Zara. If you did each of these actions by themselves, you'd have to bring one Chathas. But if you did all three of them in one state of mind with the complete forgetfulness, right? Then you know what? You only bring one carbon, right? So you did three separate types of actions by Avedah Zara. Each one by itself would bring one carbon. But if you did all three of them at the same time in forgetfulness, you only bring one carbon total for all three. Whereas by Shabbos, if you did two separate types of actions on Shabbos that are forbidden, in one state of forgetfulness, indeed, you're going to have to bring two carbonas, one for each action. So we see that Shabbos is more stringent than other malachas, other types of forbidden actions. Uh, now says one second. So now you're explaining to me that Rabbah's statement was that Shabbos is more stringent than other malach, other types of prohibitions. It's referring to Avay Dizara. Ema Seifa. What are you going to do at the end of that statement? The end of the statement, he says, There is something stringent about other mitzvahs more stringent than Shabbos. Why? By all other mitzvahs, if you did a malacha b'shegeit, right? If you did something unintentionally without intention to do it, you're going to be obligated to bring a carbon. Which is not so by Shabbos. One second. If you're telling me that we're talking about now Shabbos, by, again, we're setting Shabbos up against the Zara, against idol worship, right? When it came to the first part of this statement, in terms of that idol worship, you do three separate actions, you only bring one carbon. Shabbos, you do two separate actions, or three separate actions, however, however many actions, in one state of forgetfulness, you only bring one, you bring one carbon for each action, right? So, okay, good. But then you're going to set up that same thing for the end of the statement. And then the statement, what he says is, if you did an action, with, you know, inadvertently, without having intention to do this action, you're going to be chayef. Is that true by Avedizara? What's the case of unintentional, without, unintentional with, uh, and inadvertently by Avedizara? What's the case? Maybe you didn't realize that this was a church and you thought it was a show. So you start bowing down to what you think is, is a, you know, something that represents a Kaddish Baruch Okay, fine. But instead, you're really bowing down to a church. What do you mean? You're not going to bring a carbon at all over there either. You know why? Because if you bow down to a church with the intent of thinking that this is for Hashem, right? Then, then it's not you don't actually bring a carbon over there because that's not a vaydazara. A vaydazara, it's not just about the action. A vaydazara, it's the action, but it's defined by what your thoughts are, right? It's, it's very special about a vaydazara. It's special both ways. It's a double-bladed sword, right? So it's also special in terms of doing the action with the intent that you're doing this for Hashem. Right? In other words, it doesn't mean to say go over to a vaydazara, bow down to a vaydazara, and say I'm bowing down to a vaydazara, but I'm having in mind Hashem. It means if you're doing the same exact action as somebody else, but your intent was for the, the sake of heaven, right? In some cases, at least, it's not going to be Abayi Zara at all. On the other hand, Abayi Zara has a stringency, by the way, that Abayi Zara is the one Avera that just having your thought about doing the action, Hashem is going to look at it as if it's as if it's actually carrying out the action because of the stringency of Abayi Zara. But we're, to get back to what we're talking about here is what's the case that in a similar vein by other types of actions, even though you did it inadvertently, even though you did it for Shegeg, indeed, you're going to be liable. If it's Abayi Zara, you're not going to be liable. What's the case exactly? So what, what happened over here is the Chazi and Dart. And Dart was some sort of um, basically they would make a statue of the king and they would do it for the honor of the king and people would bow down to it, but they weren't bowing down to it for the sake of worshiping it. It wasn't, not all, all kings 
um, definitely had a very high opinion of themselves, but not all of them actually call themselves um, uh, the, the gods, right? And certainly in, in, um, in ancient times, many kings did. And even more recently, definitely in Far East countries, some, some uh, kings called themselves gods. But this was not uniform across the board. And there are some kings that made up a statue themselves, and it was understood that you had to bow down to that statue. It didn't necessarily mean that you're bowing down, accepting this as your god. So what's the case? If when you bow down to that statue, you're having in mind that this is a god, then what are you talking about? That's not a shaking. That's not an unintentional act. That's an intentional act. And we got carbon chatos. We got, you know, carbon chatos or something like that. But if you do not have intention to accept this as your god, then what you were doing is you were bowing down to the statue, but only bowing down to the statue, not as a god, but rather as a, you know, to show a show of, um, of uh, being submissive to the king. That's not going to be a Zara. What's the case? The case is that we're talking about You bow down to that king, right? And indeed, you did it out of what we call idol worship, but not because you really believed in the idol worship. Rather, and this is a famous machlekas that Timur is going <coughs> to quote right now in Sanhedrin, where you did it for the sake of, of either love or fear. Love of fear of what? It could be love of fear of a person, right? Love of fear of a person, you therefore bow down to an idol but not because you believe in the idol, but because you're doing this out of fear for, from a person or out of love for a person. There's a very famous question that Thaisus asks is one second, if that's true, right? Then if that's true, that that's not gonna be the same type of idol worship when you're doing it out of love or fear. Right? Thaisus in Sanhedrin, I believe asks, so maybe Thaisus here asks it too. Um, yeah, I think he does actually, yeah. So the question basically is, if you're not bowing down out of, if, if bowing down out of fear, you're not gonna be liable so what happened to Yarig Valiavar, right? In other words, anytime you say Yarig Valiavar, what we're saying is when the non-Jew comes to you and says, I'm going to kill you if you don't worship idols, everybody knows you have to allow yourself to be killed. But yet on the other hand, you're not going to be chayev for this action, right? So I think I think Tyson's answer is that even though, even, though, even though you're not allowed to do it, you're still not going to be chayev if you're not doing it for the sake of Abay Dazar, which is an interesting answer. You know, you would think, how could it be that you're not but you still have to give up your life. But that's what Taisu seems to say, that indeed, you're not chayev, but you still have to give up your life. Because since you didn't, you're not really doing it for Abay Dazar purposes, you're not chayev, right? But you still have to give up your life to not worship, even, even in this fake way that you're not really doing it in a, in a real sense. So let's go back to the Gemara, though. So what's the case of here? The case of here must be that you did this action of Abay Dazar, but you didn't do it out of a real sense of, of Abay Dazar, this, right, out of, out of idol worship, but rather, you did it out of a sense of either love or fear for another person. This works according to Abayah. says, indeed, you are chayev, even when you did it out of love or fear for another person. If you worship Abayah Zara, you're still chayev according to Abayah. But what do we do with Rava? Rava disagrees. And Rava says that if you worship Abayah Zara out of love or fear for someone else, indeed, you're exempt. According to Rava says that, indeed, you're pater in that case. So find me a case that there's an Abayah Zara, that there's a stringency by Abayah Zara over over um over Shabbos. And what's that stringency? The stringency is that by Abayi Zara, if you did something out of Bishayik inadvertently, and also um, without intention, you're still Chayim. What's the case? Why would you still be Chayim? The case must be that you thought it was actually permitted. So then why on Shabbos? Bitmiya, right? On Shabbos, if you thought it was completely permitted, that's still not going to be putter, right? So that's not going to be putter. You're still not putting a carbon if you thought it was mutter. I'm sorry, the butter legami. 
by mine rabba mir nachman el ili chiyuve chada ili chiyuve targi abel niftari legamri loy. So, so basically like this. Um, I can like it by mine rabba mir nachman halam zev zev yade ma'ala elu pirkin ma'ainu emer but there's emer ain't shabbos b'teira I know halam zev zev. Right, so so over there, you just one second. The case is a case where you thought it was indeed was permitted by a Zara and you thought it was permitted by Shabbos. So Mash Enki by Shabbos to the Gamri. By Shabbos, would you for sure be part to the Gamri? You wouldn't be part to the Gamri either, right? By Shabbos. So Rava meant. That what do you what are you going to have to bring? Are you going to have to bring one carbon for this action or two carbonists, right? Do we look at this as two separate acts that for which you bring the two carbon for each one, or do you only look at this as one of one one act on Shabbos that you're only going to bring one one carbon for the Shabbos acts that you did, thinking that that Shabbos is permitted to do malacha? But of course the, the and that's where we're saying the stringency by the Zara over Shabbos. Avil niftari legamri loy, but of course you're not going to be exempt totally because if you think that Shabbos is permitted to do everything, you're not going to be exempt from bringing a carbon. So we have to compare the cases now. If on Shabbos you did two separate acts of malacha, thinking that you're permitted to do everything on Shabbos, okay, fine. You're only going to have to bring one carbon. So we discussed in the past based on the previous Mishnah that if you think that everything is permitted to be done on Shabbos, you bring one carbon for all the acts that you did. If you think Shabbos is forbidden to do malacha, but you don't know what malacha it consists of, then you have to bring a separate carbon for each malacha, right? So how can you say the stringency is that on Shabbos you're putter and on this, on, on, in, in a Vedizara category, you're chayiv, that's not true. You're not putter on Shabbos, but at least you're not going to be chayiv on each act individually on Shabbos. So El Alav, Reisha, Ba'akim, Sefer, B'Sha'im, So the Gemara rather says, Here's the answer. The answer is like this, according to Rabbah. The original statement when we said that there's a stringency by Shabbos, we meant there's a stringency by Shabbos over Avodah Zarah. What's the stringency by Shabbos over Avodah Zarah? That on Shabbos, if you did three separate malachas in one state of forgetfulness, you're going to have to bring one carbon for each one. If your forgetfulness was that you didn't realize that each one of these actions are a forbidden action, right? You knew it was Shabbos, but you didn't realize that each one of these actions is a forbidden action. You have to bring a carbon for each one. Stringency over Avodah Zarah. Why? By Avodah Zarah, he did three separate acts of Avodah Zarah not being aware that these three separate acts are all forbidden. You only bring one carbon for all three. But the Seifa that says that there are other mitzvahs in which there are stringencies over Shabbos, that is not talking about a case of Avedah Zara. What's it talking about? The Seifa B'Shar Mitzvahs. We're talking about other types of mitzvahs. Mitzvahs. Echidami. The Savar. The Shumunhu. Ba'achlu. Mashi'enkim B'Shabbos. The Pater. The Nesachavim Nachlu. Satalash. B'chatach. Eslamachobar. Pater. Okay, so basically the Gemara says like this. So now we have a setup like this. Rava said that there's a stringency by Shabbos over Rabbi Dezara, and he didn't say Rabbi Dezara, he said other mitzvahs. And then in the Seifa, we said there's a leniency by other by Shabbos when it comes to other mitzvahs, that by Shabbos, you're not going to bring a carbon at all. And by other other Averis, you will. What other Averis are we referring to? Not Rabbi Dezara, because now we've established that Rabbi Dezara and Shabbos are going to be in the same plane. So what are we referring to? We're referring to an Aveda such as eating eating um, a forbidden food, thinking that this food is permitted to be eaten. So you, you're eating this food, delicious steak, but little do you know that this steak actually still has um, the, the get neshach in it, right? So it still has something that's forbidden to be eaten, let's say, right? So you did that not knowing, you're still gonna have to bring a karma. Whereas by Shabbos, you did the same exact act. In other words, you did an act thinking that it's completely permitted but really it was forbidden to be done. On Shabbos, there's nothing. You don't even bring a carbon at all in the, the very specific case of where you cut an item 
off the ground. You thought the item was already removed from the ground. I thought you were just cutting something that is no longer getting nourishment from the ground. In that case, you're not chayav on a derisa level, on a Torah level for, for uh, you know, for harvesting. And still, and still you're going to be, um, since you intended to actually cut something that was already detached from the ground, according to Rabbi, you're exempt completely. Right, even though you ended up cutting something that's still attached to the ground. Whereas when it came to other types of malachas, not by the zara, but when it comes to other types of forbidden actions, if you had intent to do this action, but you thought that this is an action that the result of which is completely permitted, right? Because you made a mistake about what your action entailed. You thought you were eating kosher meat, but intent, instead you're eating not, not kosher, not kosher, it's not the right way to say it. So you're eating meat that you're permitted to eat, but instead you're eating meat that's from the forbidden fats. So over there, indeed, you're still going to bring a carbon. So there's a stringency. When we said there's a stringency by other types of Averis over Shabbos, we meant not Avedazara, because Avedazara does not have a stringency. We meant other types of Averis, such as eating forbidden fats, thinking that it's permitted meat. And when we said stringency over Shabbos, we meant the stringency of Shabbos over, over Avedazara. That Avedazara, we don't separate it into different malachas. But by Shabbos, if you did many malachas in one halamachad, but your, your halama, your forgetfulness was which malachas are forbidden to be done on Shabbos, indeed you bring a separate carbon each malacha. Okay, we only have another uh, half an amid, and then we get up to the avas malachas, to the 39th.